I've been getting comments on my hair all morning, so I'll just address it here. All right? I had 11.30 p.m. mishap trying to cut my own hair. And uh, used my um, beard trimmer setting on my head on accident. And this is three weeks of growth, so I was actually skin. So this is progress. So where this is shocking to you, I'm like, oh, we're on our way back. And I do sympathize with Mark because he's always, every day during the winter, whining about how cold his head is. And I'm like, it can't be that bad. You know, shut the trap. Stop whining. Um, It's that bad. So that being said, no more bald jokes for me until my hair has grown back. So, well, happy new year. Good morning. It's thank you very much. Um, It's really good to be back. Uh, Shanna, my wife and I uh, just uh, welcomed our second child and uh, Emmett. And uh, oh, thank you. So we're really blessed. Um, we, we had about three and a half weeks off to, to just be uh, a family. So thank you for the space and the grace to do that. It just meant uh, more than anything to us. Different kind of chaos than being at work, for sure. Um, and then people kept telling me, you're not, you're not really impaired until you have two. I don't know if that's entirely true, but I'll tell you, it's very difficult. <laughs> so those of you that I, or parents in general, it's, it's a tough thing, but it's so fun. And I'm going to share more about that a little bit later. <laughs> so, well, you like our banners? Are you just saying that or you really do? No, I really like No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> um, this is uh, the, the title of our, our new series that we're going to go through, the book of Hebrews. It's going to be six months in the book of Hebrews, which is probably um, two and a half, three years shorter than we would like it to be. <laughs> Uh, the book of Hebrews is an amazing, amazing book, an amazing letter. And as you can see, the premise of it is really that, that Jesus is greater than everything. Absolutely everything. And we're going to flesh out what that means this morning. But I, I, at, this, at this moment, I want you to just take a moment. You can either close your eyes or keep them open. However you pray, however you focus, I want you to get to that place right now. Okay, so just take a second. If you came in uh, burdened, worried, fearful about something, breathe in um, the grace of Jesus right now. Just, just picture his love and grace all over you. And in that, in that space, in that space, just ask, Lord, what do you want to say to me this morning? What do you want to say to me personally this morning? And how do you want me to respond to what I hear from you? If you can ask those two things, and I just want to pray this. Lord, I ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, to receive the insights, the answers that you give us to those questions this morning. I pray against um, anything that's not of you in this place. I pray that you would cut off any burdens or weights that we're carrying that are not ours to carry. And I ask in Jesus' name that you would um, press your grace into our hearts in such a way that we can receive all these things. I pray against the spirit of unworthiness. It's not about worthy. It's about the fact that you love us and you choose to without us having to earn it. And it's a reality. And so I pray that we would receive that reality. We just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I want us to make sure we're ready to go. Okay. Um, As we enter this book, this book, uh, this letter is less of a letter and more of an exhortation, more of a sermon. 
And I love exhortation. I love the Braveheart speeches. I love the things that inspire. Who likes to be inspired? Okay, right? There's something about being inspired that just motivates you to go the extra mile. To, to get in a mindset, to get into a reality um, of where you can go beyond what you thought possible. Now, when we have Jesus, now we can go places we didn't know existed. Because Jesus is outside of the created context we live in because he's always been. So when we're stepping into relationship with Jesus, there are going to be things we see, things we hear and experience that we have no explanation for because it goes beyond what we can comprehend. So we have a group of people that the author is writing to that believe in Jesus, that have loved Jesus, but their circumstances are now dictating their level of faith. And so they're having trouble seeing that Jesus is enough. Now, when I say the word enough, do not define it in an earthly context. Because if you do that, then, it's, then you've already taken Jesus. And when we say Jesus is enough, it's not big enough. Enough is not the minimum. Enough is not the maximum. Because it just keeps coming. Jesus keeps blessing. There's more and more and more and more and more infinity, infinity on the moors of discovery of who he is. So when we say Jesus is enough, think in that context and think with the humility that you don't know what that word means because it's too, it's too great. You tracking? So when we, uh, let's just quickly, I, I, I want to spend more time um, really digging into the application of this and and, and, and what the writer is saying. But a quick background here. We don't know who the author is, the book of Hebrews. We have some ideas. Many thought it was Paul, but his style doesn't match the style here in Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews has a very sophisticated and trained writing style that um, is a little bit beyond Paul. Now, Paul is an educated guy. He could hold his own, but this is even more sophisticated. This is the highest level of Greek that you can kind of comprehend in that time. Okay, so some other guesses um, are Barnabas, uh, Clement, Luke. Uh, we've got Apollos, which is my favorite pick just because I think his name's Rocks. And I, I, he's a, a great preacher, we see. Um, and Priscilla. Now, we can look at the, when we look at the language, most of it is masculine participles. So um, the chance of it of being a woman is probably slim. But on the other hand, in that culture, you know, no one's going to really listen to a woman. So she may have written it and has a pen name, right? Using those masculine particles. But also women were not necessarily um, trained to write and read and all of that. Um, but it is a possibility, okay? Um, we see that. I'm going to go to the date first before we go into the audience here. Um, but the date is probably a little bit before um, 70 AD. Most scholars believe it was probably between 65 and 68 AD, Okay. But the audience here is that we have Jewish Christians, we have some Gentiles who have moved into the Jewish traditions and then have accepted Christ, but these are people that believe in Jesus. These are people that are trying to live in Jesus. These are people that at the same time living in Jesus, now remember the church is relatively young, okay? It's relatively young, so they're experiencing new things. The church hasn't really been around, so they're experiencing this 
really intense persecution, some of them, and then challenging situations of what it means to actually live in Jesus, because as we see in John 15, to live in Jesus means to live with Jesus. Abide in me and I will abide in you. So you have a group of people that are struggling to, to understand that Jesus is enough, and if they're abiding in Christ, they're always in enough. Does that make sense? They're always in enough if they're in Jesus. But here their circumstances have become far greater than they know how to deal with in their relationship with Jesus. So the author, whoever he or she is, um, we see throughout the book has a relationship with him. We see it in, in Hebrews 13 that there's a mention of um, him knowing these people and having some kind of relationship and them knowing him. And so he writes in such a way, the writer writes in such a way um, that exhorts, but man, is it challenging. I'm going to give you an example of that because today's about setting the tone for what we're in for. And I want to give you a little example of what we're in for. And the first, we're going to go through verses one through four today of chapter one. And you're going to see the supremacy of Christ. You're going to see who he is, the character, the picture of God we talked about throughout the fall. Um, You're going to see it on display because the writer is trying to bring people back around to who he is because they need to know that he's greater than all things. He's greater than your circumstances. But he talks to him in such a way that's kind of hard to hear, even if you know someone really well. I mean, Mark and I were talking about this. If a stranger starts being really honest with me, like, Brendan, you stink, I don't like you, Uh, your haircut is horrible, that kind of stuff, I'm like, I hate you, (laughs) right? I'm not going to receive that. I don't know you. I haven't allowed you to speak in my life. But Mark, I've allowed him to speak in my life. But even if he says, you know, Brendan... That message today really missed the mark, this and that. I'll receive it, but I'm going to walk away going, he stinks. You know, that hurts. It still hurts, right? Whether you trust the source or not, it still hurts. Now, let me just give you a little example of some of the language this author uses, because this is challenging to hear for anybody. And we're going to look at um, chapter five. I'm going to start at verse eight here. Um, or seven, excuse me. While Jesus was on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God uh, qualified him as a perfect high priest and became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Here we go, verse 11. There is much more, the author says, we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Ouch. You are spiritually dull and you don't like to listen. I don't want to hear that, (laughs) which means I don't listen. You You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Ouch! Yikes, right? (laughs) I don't want to hear that. But honestly, how many of us are in that boat, if we're honest with ourselves? Oh, man, I'm... And so what we see is this recurring theme Um, in our lives, and I'll get to this later on, in our lives in here, 
where the writer has to take them back to things that they should already be living in, that should be the foundation of what they live in and through. And we, we see later that he's talking about repentance and, and, and salvation. These are elementary teachings. They're foundational, which is why they're elementary, and they be, should be things we're living in and out of all the time. I shouldn't have to be holding your hand and taking you all the way back around yet again, over and over and over again, but he has to, because they're spiritually dull. They're not listening. They're not getting it. Um, Through this time, I want want to encourage all of you to um, read the book of Hebrews. Get into it. Uh, Ask questions. You can always email us. You can always, if you have questions or comments, if you disagree with us, keep it to yourself. Um, You know, the Table Project is a place where we can have dialogue if you have questions and this and that. Our Facebook page there's many avenues if you want to call, set, whatever. Let's have a dialogue about this. I want us all to be reading it because it's so important. Because it's all about understanding the picture of God so that we understand that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. So, starting from verse 1, chapter 1 in Hebrews. Let's look at this this morning. If this will... Oh, I got to turn it on for it to work. Huh. Okay. Starting in verse 1, and go ahead and read along with me. Now, the NLT, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors, ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. What do you hear? When you read this, what do you hear? What is the writer saying? I got all morning. I got nowhere to be. So, my Seahawks played last night, so I have no football game to watch. So, what do you, what do you hear? What? Jesus is it, right? Okay. What else? Yeah. Right. He's greater than anything we once revered. Right. He's greater than anything we can comprehend. What else? He rocks. I love that. Yeah, he does rock. Anything else? This side of the room? Anything else? My OCD is going nuts. We need someone over here. It's off balance. What? Okay, you read the banner. That's great. He expresses the very character of God. Right? Here what we see in this passage is... Is, is the writer making a case that there is nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing bigger than, greater than, fill in the blank, I don't care. He's, there's no word. We have to use these words like greater than, he's greater, he's bigger, he's more powerful, this and that. But we can't fully comprehend it. We still have got to take it and dilute it down to a word that we can understand a concept or a philosophy that we're not fully going to understand because we've got eternity to understand it. Yeah. 
So what makes us think we're going to understand it now? But God gives us what we need when we need it in the moment to understand what he wants us to understand. And so what we see here is the writer saying, look, guys, let's look at verse one. God spoke to you in many ways through our ancestors and the prophets. And so he saved this. This is huge in the Jewish community because the prophets um, and the, the, the writers of the historical books we see within scripture, those who wrote the law, even Moses and David, he's greater than all of them. Now, remember, people are still having trouble, those following Jesus, getting away from the law. And he's saying, Jesus is way better than the law. He's way better than David. He's way better than Moses. He's better than Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, you name it. He's better and greater. That's, wow, that's out the gates. That's verse one, okay, of a very powerful exhortation. That's verse one. And now, in the final days, he has spoken us through his son. That Jesus is now the final revelation of God. He's, the, it, he's it. There's, there's no one else coming after him because no one needs to because he's it. He's the real deal. God promised everything to the son as inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates um, God's own glory and expresses the very character of God and sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Now, this is really important to understand is that scholars will look at this and the way that they will communicate it because it's the best way they can is that Jesus is identical to God. Jesus is a a carbon copy of God. He is exactly like him, almost like a twin bro. This is false. Jesus is God. It's the only language we can use to best describe that. Now, we can't understand that, right? We worship one God in three persons. That's what most people that we evangelize to, and when I say that, we introduce that Jesus is enough to someone, that Man, that's hard for them to understand. It's hard for me to understand. And man, I've been walking with Jesus for a while and I still, one God, three persons. That's a challenging thing to understand, but it's clear that Jesus is God. He's not a clone. He's not the carbon copy. He's not the twin brother. He is God. The language is clear here. He is the very radiance the very glory of God. And when we hear glory, we think of the metaphorical language, we think of light. So think of it that way. He's the very light of God. It doesn't say he's like the very light of God. He is the very light of God because he is God. How he does that, I don't know. I don't care. He does it, right? That's a question we're not gonna have answered on this earth. But he is God, Make that clear. Now, here's the deal. We know this, right? How many know that Jesus is God? Yep. How many know that he expresses himself through three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Yep. But get this. Life will test what you know. Is Jesus enough? Yep. We can say that. If Dr. Spencer here says to me, Brendan, is Jesus enough? I'll be like, yeah, he is. But that needs to go from here to here because life will test what you know. And so these people here know that Jesus is enough. They've been told that. They've seen what he's done. They've heard what he's done. They've experienced what he's done. But it hasn't made it from here to here because the situation has now become greater than their faith in that Jesus is enough. 
And that happens to us so often. We know Jesus is enough. I know he's God. Well, how does that manifest itself in my daily reality? How do I live in such a way that Jesus is enough? I'm not going to answer that because I don't know. I'm just kidding. I have an idea. The sun radiates God's glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Now, when you've had a hard day's work and you see your couch, what do you want to do? Fall on it, right? Flop on it. Sit down on it, right? When you get home and you sit on the couch, it signifies, I'm done. I've done a great day's work. I may not like my colleagues. I may not like my work, but I'm done for the day and I'm going to sit down, right? Now, this is imagery that Jews would understand. Now, what does this say to us about Jesus? If Jesus is sitting down, what does that say about the work that he's done? It's what? It's finished. Does he not say it on the cross? It's finished. It's done. And now he's sitting at the right hand of God in the seat of honor, the place of glory. Now, the right side in the, in the Jewish context is holy. It is righteous. They actually had this thing where they believed um, everything in the north was like evil, and that represented the left side. And the south, everything is because it's brighter and shinier and there's more light represented the right side. This is how they, I don't know how they got here, but they got here. And even Jeremiah says, evil will come from the north and take over everybody here. And so there's this sense that the right side is majesty, the left side, man, you're in trouble. I mean, to the point where some of the priests in the synagogues, they would, ref- they would make sure, they would forbid you turning left. It's all you, you, you got to make all right turns. You can't be an ambi-turner, right? And so when they hear that Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God in the seat of glory, and this is where you see um, in kingdoms with a king and, and the person the king values most will be on the right side, they understand that language. So when they hear that Jesus is now sitting in glory at the right hand of God and the seat of honor, they get that. They know this is a big deal. But again, it has to go from here to here. This shows that the sun is far greater than angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. Now, again, in this culture, man, they, they love their angels and they love the spiritual stuff and they love seeing the Red Sea split open. All these things and Jesus... Is still greater than that. Let's look briefly at the birth of Christ, right, right prior to the birth of Christ, when the angel comes to Mary and says, you are going to give birth to the Son of God. The angel is the messenger of the greatest news we'll ever know, which said we almost don't even need that passage because that in itself said Jesus is greater than the angels because the angels are the one reporting on him. So he's greater. We got that covered, Yeah. Now let's get into it. Some of you are going, oh no. But this is the fun part. 
Now, we're looking at this. How do we approach this book? Well, we're going we're gonna to get into the context like we did this morning. We're going to keep doing that. But I think a relational theme. Now, remember, Scripture from beginning to end is relational. It's not academic. There's academic approaches to understanding Scripture, but it's not academic. It's relational because it's about, it's about a romance between God and his people. It's, it's about a love relationship. So that being said, what does this book say to us? What does the tone say to us relationally? And the author is saying, we got to stop trying to rediscover what we already know and move forward in Jesus and discover what's going on with him. Because there is more that he has for you. He, he is deeper and wider and wants you to experience more than what you, we keep rotating to. Because let's be honest, we don't like the unknown zone, as Mark will call it. We like staying in the known zone. So if something really bad happens, and I'm learning to live in Jesus with us a whole new language, a whole new lifestyle, and I don't understand to handle the persecution of a relationship I don't understand yet, I'm going to go back to what I do know. Who's done that before? Right? Yeah, I mean, I do it all the time. I know how to sin. I'm pro at it. And I know how to counterfeit, comfort myself out of the guilt of sin. I can live there all day long, but it won't breathe any life. See, Jesus wants you to know he's, a, he's enough to the point that everything that, that he's, the, the, the writer, is bringing people back to is back to the repentance, is back to Jesus died on the cross, he raised from the dead. And those are important things to remember and know. But they're not just meant to be remembered. They're the foundation of how we abide in Christ Jesus. It's a very similar thing to putting God on a priority list. God should never be on anyone's priority list, in my opinion. Ever. Because he's your life. He's not someone that you're going to fit on a list. Because then you're trying to take time and make time for the God that invented time. It's a very arrogant thing for us to think we can do. He is our life. So he sets our priority list. And so in this case, Jesus, Jesus is the one that pours all things into existence. He is the one in which we abide in, which means we're going to go further and deeper than our scenario, than our than our um, situation, than our fear, than our persecution. But for some reason, we like going back to the comfort place. I'm going to put God as a priority now instead of him being my life because then I can step away from him every once in a while. Now, he doesn't want that. He wants you to know him intimately, deeply. Discovery is one of the most exciting things in humanity and one of the scariest. Because sometimes we're not prepared for what we've discovered. But when it's good discovery, what does it do? What does good discovery do? What? Inspires you and excites you. What else? Changes you. Transforms you. Allows you to see the world in a way you've never seen the world before. I'll tell you, when I discovered that I wasn't balding after I shaved this off, I was really excited. Right? I discovered I'm not balding yet. Now that's just a joke, but you get what my point? 
Just a little thing. Imagine now. Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you and you will bear great fruit. And what we'll see from that, you're not going to possibly comprehend. You, you cannot possibly comprehend that. It is so huge. When he says, I'm enough, that means every moment, every day, when we wake up, it's Jesus. When we live our day, it's Jesus. When we go to bed, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Hey, guess what? And tomorrow, it's more Jesus. This morning, I heard it. I was a little discouraged about some things that happened this week and some relationships with some friends that are really struggling. And I said, Lord, what? What? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I heard this song this morning, again, on the Holy Road, 109th. Um, it's just like clockwork. And Jeremy Camp is singing, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. When I, this happens, give me Jesus. When that happens, give me Jesus. When this a, guess what? You already have Jesus. You don't need to say, give me Jesus, because he's there. That's circling the wagon again. He's right here, right now. And he wants to move with you into those places. He doesn't want you bringing him with you. He wants to bring you with him. And when we do that, we discover, we discover how in the midst of suffering, which chapter five, what we just read, shows how to produce perseverance. Suffering isn't always bad. Jesus was fully God, but guess what? He still suffered and he learned something, how to persevere. He discovered something. When we persevere with Jesus, we discover something. And there's, it's, a, it's simple. Be with me and I'll be with you. So he says, be with me and I'll be with you. Jesus is absolutely enough. Um, and I want to share this story because it just, I was going to use it as my clothes, but now I'll make Mark pray about doing a close. Um, I'm out of breath. I, I haven't preached in a while, so you know my pacing. It's really sad. <laughs> um, I got to spend a lot of time with my daughter over the last three and a half weeks. Because Shanna's with Emmett all the time because she's the food source and I'm pretty much useless. <laughs> um, and so I'm, sp- I'm learning, she's always teaching me stuff and she is a firecracker, man. She's all over the place, this and that. But there are these moments where she brings uh, an incredible stillness that makes, that caps- captivates you. Absolutely captivates you. So um, I'm a little flustered, Emmett's crying. Shanna's trying to get stuff ready. He's crying, you know, I don't have any milk to give him. <laughs> so I can't get him to be quiet. I don't know what's going on. Gracie's like, I want more of this. I want more of that. And I was just like, shut up, girl. You know, you just, it's chaos. And you just like, give the girl some food and shut the pie hole, something. So that's what I'm feeling. But what we do is we always pray. We pray all the time with her. And so I'm getting around, I put her in her chair, you know, and she's doing the dead body weight. She don't want to be in the chair. So then I got to get Winnie the Pooh up there. I'm going to poo bear. I'm like, you got to go poo right now, right now, right now. No, no, poo. I know you got to go poo. No, poo bear. Oh, so that takes 10 minutes to decipher. So then you put poo bear there and she calms down to poo. All right, here we go. But I'm still in that fluster. Once the buzz starts going, you just need to get away from everything before it starts simmering down. So I'm still in the buzz. I get the food. I just throw it in front of her and said, eat, eat, and be happy. And she stops. She looks at me and she goes, daddy, pray. Daddy, pray. Gosh, she needs to stop teaching me stuff. Right? <laughs> so I thought, well, it was her idea. 
and I'm going to be a good dad and give her an opportunity to practice what she's preaching. So I'm like, you pray. She said, fine. You can totally see it right here, right? So she does this, and she does this, right? I know, ah, yeah, yeah. wait till you see she misses her nap. So then you can go, ah. <laughs> but she's like this, she's praying. I said, Gracie, you going to pray something? And she kind of just does this like, she can't really do one eye, but so she tries to do one eye like this, and the other one's just rolling in the back of her head, and it looks really creepy. And you're like, this should be cute, but it's really not, you know. And then I said, well, I'll teach her how to pray. I'm going to get Father of the Year points for this. So I said, just say this, Gracie. I'll keep it real simple. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And she looks at me, and then she goes, okay. She closes her eyes, and she goes, Jesus. That's all she says. Jesus. And I went, no, 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 no. I love you, Jesus. And she goes, Jesus. Jesus is absolutely, unequivocally enough. Why do we feel we have to add anything? Because Jesus, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is God. That's a name that carries the very authority of God. And for her to say Jesus covers every need, every blessing that I could possibly comprehend in any realm. Heavenly or earthly. And I came from a child because I have not, I have not tormented her enough yet and I haven't ruined her enough yet so she knows that Jesus covers all things whether she knows it or not it's here and I'd rather not know stuff but know it here because then I can say Jesus and then there's no more racism there's no more prejudice there's no more poor there's no more this there's no more that because Jesus is enough and we are we are the carriers of the name that is enough and we represent and model the name that is enough then those things go away because people see that they have value and we don't have to tear people down we don't have to ostracize them we don't abuse them we love them But right now, the reality of the world is not that. But you are the carriers of the name that is enough. So that can be the reality. If we're willing to pray, Jesus. Hebrews is about praying the name Jesus and living the name Jesus. That he is enough. So whether you think you know it or not is irrelevant. Do you know it? So that you can ignore stupid instructions from a guy like me and, and stand firm because you know the name. You know the request. You know the need. It's Jesus. Fair? This is just, that's, that's the first four verses. We're in for a ride. Because God is doing something here. Look at all the transition we've gotten. Look through the, the bumps on the road that have led to blessing. There's a lot of work to be done, but let's not lose Jesus in the midst of the work. Jesus is enough. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. <laughs> I thank you for, for your name, Lord, for who you are. I, I just pray that we would all get to a point where we see the value that we have in you that we can say you're enough and we don't have to keep circling the wagons but now we can move with you 
even through the tough stuff, even when we falter, we don't need to keep rededicating ourselves to you because we already have. It's now about learning that how you're enough. It's about learning to move through those things and to persevere through suffering and persecution. And the only way we can learn and learn in the sense of, of um, your, willing, your will be done, being done, is if we abide in you in the midst and know that you're enough. So I just pray in this time of worship, we would know that you're enough. In this time that we give our tithes and offerings, that we give with faith because we know you're enough. That when we give our time, that when we give people access to our heart, we know that you're enough. We know that you protect. We know that you, um, that you uh, breathe life into us when there's no life to be found as far as our perception of the world around us. So we pray that you would use this here at Bridgeway Community Church, that you would um, fire up courage in our hearts to plug in with people, to serve in a way that states you're enough so that we can actually, through your Holy Spirit, transform this community and beyond that people will know the name of Jesus. Not just hear it, but it would manifest itself in their lives. We just thank you, God. May we worship you with a reckless abandon that we would not be afraid to shout out, that we would not be afraid to worship you in spirit and truth, for you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In Jesus' name, amen.